Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Craig. Hi, I'm Craig. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I've, uh, I don't want to qualify. I've been abstinent for 27 years, and uh, when I came in, I was 30 pounds overweight, but that wasn't my top weight. I had been up to over 50 pounds overweight at various times in my life, and um, usually when I got over 50 pounds, I just stopped weighing myself, so I don't know exactly how much it was. I... Uh, I've had a life these last 27 years. Oh. <laughs> Should have left well enough alone, I guess. Um, and, and I'm grateful to the program for that. And uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity to share my recovery. And I am uh, disconcerted by the taping. <laughs> but I was warned about it, and uh, I'll get over it, because... It does seem like a good way to share recovery, and I'm very grateful for the recovery, and I'm very grateful for the people that have shared their recovery with me that allowed me to get here. So let me talk about um, what it was like, what changed, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, The way that I dealt with life when I was... Young and when I was in my teen years, when I was in my 20s, was food. It's like um, I I didn't know how to deal with embarrassment or pain or unhappiness, any of those strong emotions. And so the way I dealt with it was I would just eat and I would just eat a lot. I would shovel it in, and you know you you just shovel it in, and there's a point at which something clicks and it's it's okay. It doesn't feel it doesn't hurt as bad. And I remember so many specifics. You know, the times when I was just really in, in pain, <clears throat> really embarrassed, uh, really disappointed, frustrated, and I would just shovel in the food. And I had my favorite foods, like you know, all of us do, and they change over the years. But it was volume for me. I'm not an anorexic even though I respect people that are anorexics, but for me, it was just volume. I shoveled in the food. I had to have the food to kill the pain. There was one time when I went to my friend David's wedding. I was about uh, 23, and he had been my next-door neighbor for growing up, and so I knew him. And I felt so awkward there. Like, I didn't know how to deal with a reception line where you're supposed to you know, go and say hello to him and his wife and, and everybody, and I didn't didn't know what was the right gift to get and I felt bad about that and so the whole time I was there all I could think about was when I get out of here man I'm going to have this that and the other thing and there was food there um, and I ate it but I left early and, and on the drive home I stopped at um, whatever the equivalent of 7-Eleven was then and I just bought a whole bunch of stuff and I just shoveled it in and I was the kind of compulsive overeater who didn't wait till I got home. I mean, I had a big spoon in my car. And, <laughs> and I, I just 
shoveled it in until the pain went away. And uh, even before that, when I was younger, when I was a kid in, in, in grammar school, um, I remember the embarrassment of um, kids used to throw their potato chips on the ground and laugh at me because I was the guy that would go and grab them up and eat them. I wanted the food. And, um, and other things. Okay, now, when I got to be uh, an adult, I tried different things to deal with the food addiction. And it's, it's stuff that you know most of us have tried, or a lot of us have tried. Weight watchers, fasting, one, one meal a day, amphetamines, um, all kinds of crazy diets. And some of these worked for certain periods of time. And, um, and I lost weight at different points in my life, usually when I was interested in some girl and I knew if I was fat, there was no way I was going to get her. And so I had incentive. I'd lose the weight. Sometimes I'd get in a relationship. Then I would start feeling all kinds of anxiety and I'd start eating again and shoveling in the food and I'd get fat again. I, I needed a program. There was no way for me to stop eating, lose weight, and keep the weight off the way I was going. I needed a program. And um, I... So I don't want to dwell too much on what it was like. I'll tell you, it was awful, it was painful, and it wasn't a life. Alcohol is to alcoholics what food is to compulsive overeaters, and what drugs are to drug addicts. Alcoholics use alcohol the way that we use food. And that's why the difference between us and and hardcore drug addicts and alcoholics isn't that great. And that's why the big book works for us. The big book is the best thing I've ever discovered in my whole life. Um, it, it, It told me about people who, like Bill, who had tried everything to stop their compulsion. And, and no matter what they tried, they couldn't do it. No matter who they were hurting, they couldn't stop. They had to pursue their compulsion. It was like that for me with food. And then I discovered OA. And I went to a meeting. This was 27 years ago. And um, went to a meeting. I saw it could work. I saw people who were thin, who had lost weight using this program. And then I kept going to a few meetings and I saw people who kept their weight off. And I was thinking, damn, this can work. Because these were people just like me. I heard their stories. And I got afraid and I left. And then, because uh, I couldn't imagine life without food. I mean, I knew it could work at that point because I saw it. But I couldn't imagine going through my life without compulsive overeating. And then, but I only stayed away for a few weeks. I came back, I uh, got a sponsor, and I became ready to work the program. Now, back then, things were simpler than they are now. Now, abstinence is kind of uncertain. Back then, the meetings I went to, abstinence was three meals a day and nothing in between. Period. That was abstinence. I could get my head around that. Simple for People like me. I need something simple. It was simple. I didn't think I could do it, but it was simple. Because I'd never had meals. I mean, for me, I just shoveled in food all day long, especially when things were, were unpleasant and painful. So 
One day I decided I'm going to try this. My sponsor said, um, call me in the morning and tell me if you want to do it tomorrow morning. So I called him. I said, I'm going to try it just for today. Just for one day. One day I'm going to try having just three meals today and nothing in between. All right. I had breakfast. It was enormous. I had yeah. At lunchtime I had lunch. It was enormous. And at dinner time I had a, a really enormous dinner. Okay. And at the end of dinner, I didn't eat anything else. And then I called him at the end of the day. And I said, all right, I did it. I probably gained 20 pounds, but I had one day of abstinence. He said, good going. You got one day of abstinence. You want to try for another, just for tomorrow? Just one day, just for tomorrow? You want to see if you can do it tomorrow? I said, all right, I'll try it. I had another day of abstinence. This built on itself. And, then, and at the end of 30 days, I had 30 days of abstinence. This is the first time in my whole life I had ever had just three meals a day, nothing in between. And I had gained several pounds. I, um, I had put on weight. Okay. So after that 30 days, it began to look like this was possible. And my sponsor said, you want to try moderate meals now? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. Don't know if I can do it. And he said, okay, um, just for today. You know, tomorrow is Wednesday. So just for Wednesday, three moderate meals and nothing in between. I tried it, okay? I had three moderate meals and nothing in between. I prayed to my higher power for the strength to deal with... I prayed either either remove the compulsions just for today, the compulsions to shovel in the food, or give me the strength to deal with it just for today, please. And it worked. By the end of the day, I had three days of moderate meals. I mean, three moderate meals for that day. And I kept doing this. And, and um, after a number of months... I had lost the 30 pounds that I had extra that I came in with. And I kept doing this, and um, my life got a lot better. And, boy, there's so much that I want to talk about about this. Because, see, it wasn't that simple. It's like I couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to have three moderate meals today, nothing in between. It's like I'm not that strong. I had to go to meetings. In the beginning, I went to meetings every day. It was impossible for me to work the program without hearing the strength of other people and and having the support of other people. So I went to meetings. This was in Valley, the Darby Darby meetings. And um, I worked the steps, and I asked my higher power for help. And um, I also want to let you know, in these 27 years, I didn't keep a, a low normal weight for all that time. When my meals started getting bigger, I put on weight. And so there have been periods where my weight has gone up, and then my weight has gone down. But it's never been like as bad as it used to be. And I always knew when it's time to start working a tighter abstinence, meaning smaller volume meals, um, the weight will go down. And it has. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. So, um, oh, also... For what it's worth, I, uh, I developed a process that, for me, it helps. I keep a sheet 
and I write down everything that I eat for breakfast, and then for lunch, and for dinner. It's three columns and seven rows. I mean, seven rows. It's Monday through Friday and three columns, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there's no place for stuff in between, because for almost all of my abstinence, there wasn't anything in between. Fade time, by the grace of my higher power. Okay, now in recent years, I've started to allow an emergency food. It's a specific food. It varies, but it's a specific food at any time, and if I want it, I can have it. Now, I use this rarely, but sometimes I do, and I find it's useful. Um, okay, so the, the um, food... I want to talk about my abstinence just because everybody's got different abstinence. But some, some people think that the magic is in letting go of specific foods. Like some people legitimately can't eat sugar, some people can't eat flour, and they should avoid those foods, obviously. But some people think, all right, that's the magic. I have to avoid sugar, flour, and this and that and the other thing. And... And I sponsored people who have such a restrictive abstinence that nobody could do it. So my feeling is, for people who can't eat sugar and flour, they should not eat sugar and flour. But there's a lot of us who can and don't realize it. The magic for me was in three meals a day and nothing in between. That was, that was what made the difference. And then three moderate meals, meaning lessen the volume, because I was a volume eater. And again, I can't speak to anorexics because I, I don't know that disease. Um, you know, let's talk about the stats. Admitted I was powerless over food. My life was unmanageable. No question. No problem. That one instant. Came to believe a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Problem. Three, made a decision to turn my will, our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood them. Problem. Then I started reading the big book more closely. Now, in the big book, when you'll find in that book that there's very few wasted words and almost nothing is emphasized. Very, very few things are italicized. But God, as we understand him, is italicized. What they're saying is it's important to realize you don't have to accept somebody else's conception of a higher power. And that helped me enormously. I was able to get a higher power that works for me. And um, everybody's you know, got their own conception. But for what it's worth, uh, mine is not um, a, a God that is in the heavens. Mine is a higher power that is stronger than I am and isn't the conscious me up in my head here that wants to screw me up. It's, it's a, a power that's greater than me and is willing to help me and it's within me. God is within me. That, but um, as I say, everybody has their own concept of a higher power. The idea, the thing that worked for me was to recognize there is a power greater than the conscious me up in my head that wants to screw me up. And this power will help me. And it's a loving higher power. And all I have to do is do what my higher power wants me to do and ask for his help. And that made an enormous difference in my life. Um, 
Okay, let's look at steps four, five, six, and seven, because those were really important to me too. These are the these are the steps where we find out what our character defects are, and we we become ready to let go of them, and we ask a higher power to help us let go of them, and then we can let go of them. The character defects, the things that are killing us, that are making us eat and and hate ourselves. So, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. The big book talks about how to do that. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. All right, step four, made this inventory of myself. I identified the character defects that were harming me. In step five, I admitted them. I did this one at a time. Um, the big book talks about doing them all at once, but I think there's some flexibility there. I, I like, pick one you know, one of the ones that was the greatest offender that was really harming me. And I admitted it to myself, to God, I admitted it to myself, and I admitted it to another human being, who in this case was my sponsor. Okay. And step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. All right? So I had to, had to go through a long period of asking myself, am, am I... Uh, Am I ready to let this go? The answer was, no, I'm not going to let that go. Jeez, I am not going to let go of that character defect. So, more suffering. Finally, I got to the point where I was ready to have God remove the defect of character. Seven, I humbly asked him to remove it. God, I can't deal with this particular thing. Whatever you know, our character defects are. One of my big ones right now is just living in fear. And I, and I need to ask, see, I need to work the steps on that. I'm, I'm taking a detour. But again, this is how it's done. I recognize I've got this character defect of living in fear. It's harming me. It hurts me. It makes it hard to contribute to the world. It makes it hard to enjoy life. Okay? I admit it to my higher power. I admit it to myself. And I'm admitting it to all you guys. I'm ready to have my higher power remove this defect of character. As much as I can be right now, it's going to take ongoing work. I ask him, please remove this character defect of living in fear. Now let's see what happens. Okay, This is a big one. I've had trouble with this one for a long time. But my experience over 27 years is even the big character defects get removed if I'm willing to do this, willing to work the steps. Man, we are so lucky... Oh, thank you. To have a program where it shows us how to get rid of the character defects that are killing us. It shows us how to identify and deal with the things that are making our lives miserable and making us overeat and making us fat and unhappy. Okay, so, four, five, six, and seven. Um... Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them. Nine, made the direct amends. Ten, continued to take the personal inventory and we were wrong promptly, when we were wrong promptly admitted it. Meaning, we continued to make ongoing amends when we found out that we were wrong, that when we had made mistakes or even, you know, were malicious, whatever. And um, I'm not done with my amends yet. Okay. Step 11 and 12. Sought through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry it out. I've done meditation at some points in my life, but not seriously. And it's something I'd like to do more of. It's interesting that when the big book was written so long ago, you know, like 
1930s, you would think, you know, well, meditation wasn't a catchphrase like it is now, where everybody talks about it, everybody knows about it. I mean, this was a serious spiritual thing, and Bill and uh, the people who who wrote the book were were of the opinion that it's very important, prayer and meditation, to improve our conscious contact with our higher power. Okay, 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Tell you, it's hard to practice these principles in all our affairs, but it's a lot easier than carrying the message to others. This here, I mean, this is simple. All right. But when I see somebody who's grossly obese, and I don't know how to go up to them and say, man, I used to be really fat, and I found this program that helps me. It's the hardest thing in the world, and I wish I had an easier time doing it. Um, and it's something I need to work on. I have carried the message at times, and I've helped people, and I'm very grateful for that. But it's still very hard to do. Okay. Let's see what else works. Oh, yeah, something that has been important to me over my years of uh, being abstinent has been the concept of get to, not have to. I heard that at an AA meeting once, and um, man, it really made a difference. It's like, it used to be, I would go to a party, and I would want to just shovel in all that food. I just needed the food to cope with the stress of being around people. Then I got abstinent. I started working this program, read the literature, and um, I got the idea. It's it's all right. It's not that I don't get to eat all this food at the party. It's not that I don't get to shovel in food until I'm feeling terrible. It's that I don't have to do that anymore. One day at a time, I don't have to do that. See, in, in steps four, five, six, and seven, it's not that we we like we have to take inventory and identify our character defects and let them go. It's like, thank God, we, we get to do this. We've got a program that lets us do this. Man, my life used to be so unhappy before program. And over the years, you know, there's been ups and downs like with anybody. But man, it's sure better than it used to be. I mean, not only do I not have to be obsessed with the food a day at a time, but um, I've got a way of dealing with stuff. You know, I, I remember I used to feel um, everybody has, um, you know, growing up, other kids seemed to know how to do stuff, and I didn't. I felt uncomfortable with everything. I couldn't even talk to people without feeling a lot of stress. And then as I got older, I heard somebody say they felt that everybody else was given a manual on how to live except them. And I related to that. And now I feel really fortunate because I got a manual. There it is. Twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's how you live. You know, here we are on planet life, on planet Earth. Planet life, I like that. Okay. We're on planet Earth. There's a lot of stresses. There's good stuff that happens. There's bad stuff that happens. But there's a manual on how to deal with practically anything, and that's it. And I'm glad to see that you guys have a um, new pair of glasses, and you've got other, you know, AA literature. The OA literature is good, and I have... I, I'm, I respect the OA literature, but I got abstinent on the big book, 
And I got abstinent on a new pair of glasses, and as Bill sees it, and for those of you that may not have um, taken advantage of these yet, I, I want to tell you, um, it makes it easier to see that other people have gone through what you're going through, and if they had compulsions that were almost impossible to let go of, and they let go of them by this program. And this is a program we have. And over the years, I've seen people who have long-term abstinence. I know several of them. People that were came in program about the time I came in program. A couple that were actually there before me. And have long-term abstinence. Don't have to deal with the compulsions. Or get the strength to deal with the compulsions. So life is better. Now, um, let's see if there's anything else. I want... I want to stop talking so that if anybody has any questions, um, we can do that. Um, gee, it seems like such a vain thing. It's like, all right, here I am up here, and now I'm going to take your questions. <laughs> when I go out, I'll put on my shades because the paparazzi is going to want to get my picture. Anyway, I'm grateful for the program. Thank you for asking me to share. Uh, that's it. Anybody have any questions? Great, thank you very much. Um, so you're sponsoring someone. Tell me briefly how you would take them to the big book. Um, it depends on if they've done it. Pardon? Oh, repeat the question. When I sponsor people, how do I take them through the big book? Is that it? it depends if they're people that have gone through the big book and been sponsored before or not. If they're new people, I usually start them at the very beginning. Doctor's opinion, you know. Let's and, and I will say to them, okay, you read this, and I'm going to read it too. So I end up reading again and again the stuff that nourishes me. And then I say, let's talk about it. What does this mean to you? And I tell them what it means to me through each part of the big book. And um, all the steps are important, but, but for me, steps four, five, six, and seven have been especially useful. And so I focus on those when I'm um, sponsoring people. If it's somebody who's been sponsored before or they've gone through the big book um, before, then it's usually a question of... Man, I'm glad you asked that because this is important. Then it's just a question of saying you've already identified your character defects. You've gone through the steps. You've identified them. How are you doing on them? Have you asked God to help you let go of these? Are you ready to have them removed? Or are you still carrying around the same character defects you identified five years ago that are, that are making your life miserable? And if they're still carrying around the same character defects, which is often the case, I mean, I still carry a lot of my old character defects, then I say, all right, let's start working on these one at a time. Pick the main character defect that you identified that is making your life miserable and admit it to yourself, admit it to God, and admit it to me and then see what you can do about becoming ready to let go of it and ask your higher power to let to help you let go of it. Okay, any other questions? Right. Um, how do you deal with the desire to eat if you have it at night? For me, that's the hardest time I want to eat, so after dinner. The, the, the last few hours are the hardest for me. During the day, I'm busy. I don't One thing that I do is I remind myself that whatever I want, whatever I'm hungering after, I can have it for breakfast. I can have it in the morning. It's like, let's say, 
thoughts of ice cream invade my mind and I can't get rid of them. I've got to have ice cream. Now, in the past, before program, it's like I would go out and get gallons of ice cream and shovel it in. All right. Now it's like if I dinner's over and I start thinking about ice cream, I know I can have it for breakfast tomorrow if I want it. Makes things a lot easier. Also, though, um, I my my eating hours have changed hither and yon over the years, and um, sometimes I eat very late, and that helps. Like because of what I do for a living, um, I, I can make my own hours, and so I often work best from like eleven at night until four in the morning. So wake up about eleven thirty or noon have breakfast about 1 o'clock, have lunch about the time other people are having dinner, and then have dinner very late. That, that works for me. I don't suggest this for everybody. I mean, if you've got normal hours, you have to keep uh, normal eating hours, but it may be possible to move the dinner uh, a little bit later if you start having trouble at night. But the main thing... The main thing is the, the realization that it's not all or nothing right now helps. Whatever, whatever it is, unless it's on my blacklist, whatever it is that I'm obsessing about, I can, let, I can have it tomorrow for my next meal. Um, also, one of my prayers is, um, please remove this obsession one day at a time or give me the strength to deal with it. And that has worked for 27 years. Okay. So I'm kind of fascinated by the whole three meal a day thing and abstinence. I hear it mentioned a lot and I read about it. Um, and it sounds to me like other than the three meal a day thing, you really didn't have a lot of rules around. Obviously, you would have ice cream for breakfast. You didn't have a lot of rules around what those supposed to be. I've got I've got maybe three foods that I haven't eaten in 27 years. Donuts, candy, and... Uh, oh, I repeat the question. I'm sorry. Say the question again and I'll repeat it. Um, it was, tell me about your three-meal-a-day Okay. Tell, tell you about my three-meal-a-day thing. Uh, no, I don't have a lot of rules. There are certain foods I know I can't eat because I'll just go to town on them, so I don't eat them. Um, I, normal, I can eat normal foods and... Um, my rules are, at the beginning of a meal, I don't eat anything until I say, let's say we're talking about lunch, let's say, okay? I won't eat anything, even if it's on the plate in front of me. I won't eat it until I say, thank you for my abstinence and for this abstinent meal. Lunch is starting. Amen. All right? I eat lunch. At the end of the meal, I say, usually out loud, even when I'm with people, which is awkward at times, uh, lunch is over. Out loud. It helps me. You know? And, you know, a person will look at you and say, well, yeah, of course it's <laughs> But it helps me to hear myself say it. And if I can't, there's times when I can't say it out loud, and I'll write it down. I want to see it on paper. Lunch is over. Period. The period means lunch is over. Okay, then I don't eat anything until it's time for dinner. I don't eat while I'm washing the dishes, you know? While I'm, it's like you don't eat the, the scraps off the plate after you say lunch is over. Now, um, 
I know how hard this seems because I went through it. It seemed impossible to me. How can you just have three meals a day and nothing in between? It seemed inconceivable to me. But I've been able to do it by doing the program, by getting the support I need at the meetings, by reading the big book, by working with people, getting the support of others. It's like, it's almost like the need for for that pain relief method has lessened and I've gotten help and in times of crisis um, you ask about specifics in times of crisis I've called in my family before I'll eat it I'll say alright I'm going to this party it's going to be emotional I, I don't know how it's going to be emotional and I'm not going to eat there I'm not going to eat a single bite there and when I get home I'm going to have dinner here's what dinner consists of I specify it or if I'm at a party and it is okay to eat, sometimes I'll write down. Before I start, I'll write down. This is what I'm going to have. You know, look over the buffet table or whatever. Write it down. Put a period at the end. That's going to be my dinner. They're, but these things are techniques. And the techniques are useful, by the way. But behind the techniques, there is the support of my higher power who wants me to keep a normal weight and who's willing to help me to do it. Other questions? Can you talk about emergency food? I just throw that one in too because that was part of What's your emergency Okay. She said, how much tin did Brazil export in 1967? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. Okay, my emergency food. This, this happened about, started about five or six years ago. There were periods where I had to have a long period. I was working at the LA Times for a while. My schedule wasn't the way I wanted. There were long periods between lunch and when I could eat dinner. And um, so I, uh, I don't remember if I talked to my sponsor about it or I heard somebody at meetings talk about it, but the idea came up of an emergency food that I could have in between, and it was one specific thing. It started out with carrots. Like, okay, if I'm going to have a long stretch between lunch and dinner, it's okay for me to get a couple of carrots and gobble them down. It's okay. It doesn't count. Um, then that changed at some point to mushrooms. Okay, it, it, You know, at the moment, my emergency food is pickles. I don't particularly <laughs> like pickles. You know, but if I, but if I have a long stretch between then and dinner, um, or even after dinner, I want to have a pickle, I can have a pickle. Okay. So, now this, this, yeah, so that's how I do it. Everybody's different, but that's what works for me. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. Um, you mentioned as Bill sees it, and I know I could look at the book, but if you could just, just let me know another question, say what it was about. I love a new pair of glasses. But yeah. As Bill sees it, I haven't really looked. What, what did you like about you it? You know, I get, I get the books confused these days. I think as Bill sees it was about the history of the early program. Yeah, right. Anybody who know, no, no, tell me. It's actually excerpts from his different writings. Oh, yeah. They book 12 and 12 are great writings. What's the one that's about how the old-timers uh, organized? Dr. Bob and the old-timers. Dr. Bob and the old-timers, okay. Both of those, but AA Comes of Age is the one I'm thinking of. Um, so, uh, I, I don't remember it specifically. I could look through it right now and tell you what I liked about it. Do we have time? Uh, they they come together in, in my head 
I mean, I, don't, I often don't remember one from another. Although some of them stick out, like a new pair of glasses, which you got there, sticks out. Um, I like the whole idea of when when you when he looked at his wife one way, he saw her that way. When he looked at her a more positive way, he saw her that way. We can look at life in a loving, positive way, or we can look at life in a fearful, negative way. That impressed me. Any other questions? How has it changed your life? I mean, that's a hard question. Big question. How has it changed your life? Okay, question is, how has it changed my life? Well, I've I've actually had a life. I've been able to do things that I wanted to do. I've been able to go places without having to focus on the food. Um, it's, It's not really changed my life. It's like I live a normal life. I never could do that before. Before I lived a life of constant pain and I remember once I came home from a job that I didn't like and uh, I was very fat then and it was summer and so I, uh, I, all I could do was take off my clothes because nothing would fit everything was too tight and just sweat so I sat there sweating shoveling in food I felt as low as you can feel I haven't had to do that in 27 years now there's times, like I say, when the meals are, are the meals get big. I I uh, I have this flexibility. As long as it's three meals a day, and nothing in between, the meals can get big, and sometimes they do. And I put on weight when that happens. Then I'll say to my sponsor, I got to start going to more moderate meals again, and I'll lose the weight. But it's nothing as bad as it used to be before program. Um, hey. Any question? When you talk about three meals a day, do you have dessert in there? Is that part yeah. of a meal? That's oh. part of a meal. Okay. Yeah, now, sometimes it's awkward to talk about. Hey, I've only got like a minute, right? Okay. Sometimes it's awkward to talk about specific foods in a way, because some foods are trigger foods for some people and some are for others. But, like, for example, breakfast might be um, an egg and two strips of bacon and an English muffin, and that's breakfast. Lunch might be something else. For dinner, I might have, at the end of the meal, a piece of cake as part of the dinner. Planned as part of it, it's, it's in there before I say dinner's over, and that's, so it's dessert, but it's part of my meal. All right, um, that's, that's it for uh, this speaking today. Thank you for being here, and thank you for this opportunity to share my recovery, because other people have helped me and shared theirs. Thank you.